The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. I'm excited to get into this this morning. Um, you know, last week we talked about Jesus as our shepherd, as the good shepherd, um, and, and seeing the responses in the Bible reading plan has been really cool as we kind of unpack what it means to be loved on and led by this shepherd. And so this morning what we're going to look at is what it looks like to follow the good shepherd. And, you know, so I think that there are some correlations that we have with sheep, but I think the biggest difference between us and sheep is that we're made in the image of God, right? And we have this, this opportunity to be able to reflect God and to be able to partner with God in, in, in advancing his kingdom and in, in, uh, subduing the earth and, and having dominion and ruling and being able to, to do all these things that he designed and he created us to do. And, and it's just so cool because we do that no matter what. Because that's how he created us. That's how he designed us. If you go back in the book of Eden, when he, when he breathed life into Adam and said, go, help subdue the earth, have dominion, rule, go and do it, we, that's what we do. And we see it when we see, like, you know, we've got like a plot of land, right? On a plot of land, there can be, uh, you know, weeds and different things. And on that same plot of land, we can go and build a home where families can grow and, and kids can be raised. So, it's a really cool thing that we have to do, and in that, we have this thing called free will, where we have a choice on how we respond, how we interact with this opportunity that we have to, to follow the good shepherd. And so, what we're going to do this morning is unpack first, uh, sorry, 2 Peter, uh, in verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. And so, um, in, in verse 3, what, what, what this passage does, what it's doing is it's giving us kind of a, a guideline of what it looks like to follow the good shepherd, what, what the different things in our lives would look like if we were following the good shepherd. And so one thing about it, the most important thing is verse 3, right? It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So that, I want to highlight his divine power. There's nothing that we could have done to even begin to follow the shepherd, the good shepherd, without the intervention of God. Without what Jesus did, we wouldn't even have the opportunity to follow the good shepherd. It's because of his divine power, because of what Jesus has done for us that we're able to do this. And we're able to do these things through that divine power. And so, you know, the... the um, the correlation, the relationship that we do have with, with sheep and humans is that we are all filled with the spirit, with the breath of God. We all came into being because God's breath was blown into us. And, and in the Hebrew, that word is the ruach, and that's the spirit of God. And so we all have that in us to be able to, to move and to breathe and to live and to, to partner with God in, this, in, his, in, his, in his divine nature. And so... It's his divine power that has given us everything we need to live a godly life. And so in verse 4, it says, Through these he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped 
the corruption of the world caused by evil desires, right? So again, we have an opportunity to participate in the divine nature and we have the opportunity to participate in the corruption of the world. And because of Jesus, because of what he's done, we have been able to escape the corruption of the world and be able to have the, um, the ability to participate in this divine nature. And it's not because of anything we did. It's because of who Jesus is. And when we develop this relationship with him, and as we grow in it, we begin to learn and understand how do we follow the good shepherd. And, and we don't have to muscle through and do it on our own. And there's times where I've, I've tried that. I tried to, like, you know, get super disciplined and, and write out a daily schedule. And I remember there's even a point uh, where... <clears throat> Before Juliet was born, I had this whole daily thing that I was doing, and I was super rigorous about it. And like I even was so, uh, so intense about it that I had Josh Jensen as an accountability partner, where if I didn't send in the daily task checked off completely by 10 p.m., I gave him, uh, well, I gave him an envelope of checks to cash for 20 bucks. So for each day, if I didn't do it, Cash that check, there's $20. So I was just so intense about it, and I pushed so hard, and by the time the thing ended and the baby was born, I was just exhausted. I was burnt out, and, and then the pandemic happened, and all of that effort that I'd put in, it didn't help me when, when, when crisis hit, when chaos began. I was just wiped out and exhausted. And because I was doing it in my own power, I wasn't partnering with the divine power that God had available for me. I just, I knew I was eager and really ambitious about following God and wanting to grow and to move forward and to understand what it is to live a life of discipline, what it looks like to say no to certain things and to say yes to other things. But in, in the no's and in the yes, in all of those, I can't do it on my own power. I don't have the fortitude, I don't have the strength, I don't have the ability to do that without the divine power of God leading me and guiding me. And that's kind of what we're talking about this morning is, you know, what is this divine power? How does it affect our lives? And how do we get a hold of it? What does that look like? And so um, continuing on in verse verse 5, it says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. Make every effort. Make every effort to add to your faith. Man, when I read this, what I, what I think when I see this, what this is telling us is that faith is good. Having faith is good, right? The Bible says that without faith, you can't please God. And faith is a gift that God gives to us, right? So faith is good. But what this scripture is telling us is to add to it, that there's more that God has for us, right? We can believe, I can believe that God can help me with my depression. I believe and I know that God can help me to overcome addictions and habits that are destructive, right? I can believe all these things, but if I don't make an effort, not in my own power, but if I don't participate in the divine nature and what God has for us, the power that he has for me, then I'm never going to move forward. I will spend the next 5, 10, 15 years knowing that God is good and that God can help me to overcome, but not partnering with it, not making every effort, and, and, and through that divine nature to be able to do that. And so as we unpack these verses, you know, these, these words in here, you can make every effort to add goodness and knowledge, right? And so that knowledge, that's something that I'm kind of big on right now. I just feel like 
God is just opening up uh, who he is to me in such incredible ways and through different books and obviously through the Bible and through my time with him. And, and what I'm learning is like Andy, what Pastor Andy was saying earlier, like I, I'm a little kid. Like I'm, I'm like a three-year-old kid that is just understanding how the world works. That's how I feel. It reminded me of this this, uh, this uh, experience that I had when we were in South Padre last week. And uh, my daughter, Caroline, she had been driving with my, my father and mother-in-law with her, with her grandparents, Pop and Anna and Pops, uh, in their Jeep for the road trip out there. And um, I was helping her buckle into their, to the rental Jeep or whatever, and she, I'm buckling her in and talking to her, you, you know, you having a good time? Is this fun? You know, what's it like in here? And she's like, oh, look at this, Dad. And she pointed to the hook that you have in the Jeep or the trucks that you hang a hanger on. She's like, pointed to this, like, do you know what this is for? I'm like, no, tell me. She's like, it's to hang your blankie on. And she was so excited to hang her blankie on this thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what it's for, baby, to hang your blankie on. And I feel like in the same way, I, I relate to that. And my knowledge, my understanding of, of, of the purpose for having relationship with God. And I think that's okay. I think that there's a, there's a certain um, just patience that God has for us and for me to be able to see him as something that we just hang our blankie on, right? But I think that, you know, I want to make every effort to grow in that knowledge because there's a, I, there's a greater reason. God has a greater intention for me and for my life and for you and your life than just to simply hang our blankies on. Not that that's not important. Not that God isn't fascinated by these things in our lives. Like, for example, I was telling somebody, uh, John, I was hanging out with John earlier, about how um, I was walking the other day around the lake, you know, spending time with the Lord, and, and I just kind of started thinking about guitars, right? And I started getting excited about them, and I realized, like, God was, like, listening to me. Like, he was so interested, like, and I'd never felt that before, and I just started crying because it's like, you really, like, care about me. You're interested in my little blankies. You're interested in the guitar. You're interested in everything uh, about me, and it was so incredible, and, and that's just another piece of what I'm learning about who God is, that the blankie is important, but that there is so much more that God has for us, and that we, because of Jesus, because of the divine power, can make and should make, need to make every effort to grow in our knowledge of who Jesus is, of who God is, of, of, of how we understand him, and to have that humility to be able to allow God to teach us. And so, moving on to verse 6, uh, make every effort to add to your knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and perseverance and godliness. So the, the one that in there that really highlighted, was highlighted for me is, is that Self-control, right? To make every effort to add to your faith, to your walk, self-control, right? And so what is self-control? It's pretty self-explanatory. But what I'm realizing, what I'm learning is that if I follow every impulse of mine, and if I follow it and I don't stop, and if I don't have that self-control, it, it will destroy me. It just will, right? If I follow, so like the greatest example for that is, you know, um, you know, there was a point in my life not that long ago where I was creeping up on to 300 pounds. And this, this is a big thing for me. And I was getting to this point where I was like, man, this is going to be the point of no return, right? And, and it was, I, was, I got scared because I knew that if I didn't start operating and adding self-control to my life, that, that I was going to go to a place that was going to be really hard to come back from. 
The making the effort was going to be really hard, and I didn't want to do that. And I believe that's why God puts this in here and encourages us and, and you know, kind of commands us to make every effort to add self-control to our lives. Because if we just go ahead and follow every impulse when we're depressed, when we're stressed out, when we're anxious, when we're fearful, when we're insecure, we just follow these impulses and just go for them. It can get to a point where it's going to be really hard to come back to this place of being able to not to be controlled by our impulses and our desires, right? I remember somebody told me that, man, sin is never satisfied. It always wants more. It always takes more. And it always, the price tag on it is huge. And sometimes, for me, what I've learned, sometimes that price tag is once it's cashed, once it's paid, it's gone. And trying to get back to following the good shepherd, trying to get back, it, it can be challenging, it can be hard. It's like, you know, <clears throat> you got this boat and it gets super off course and the process of getting it back on course can take time and it's not easy. But the cool part about it is that God is faithful, that he is patient. And I've experienced that in such a powerful way to see his patience as I'm endeavoring to follow him, as I'm making every effort to do these things, as I'm growing in my knowledge from my little blanky hook to understanding that God has so much for me and wants to love me in such a deep and profound way that it's not just about, God, heal my hurts, heal my habits, heal my, you know, hang-ups, but I get to learn about you and and how much you love me. And that's a really cool thing. And and, uh, being able to grow in that self-control and that temperance and that ability to not give in to every impulse and to, to have it tempered, to have it under control and have that self-control is a huge part of that. And then in verse 7 it says, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. And so I get really excited about that in verse 7 there, um, about that mutual affection because if you, know, if you read that, so mutual affection, right? To be able to have affection mutually, like, you guys ready for this? Community group, ready? We're talking about koinonia here, y'all. Yes. We're talking about mutual affection. We're talking about deep, intimate, mutual affection and relationship with each other. And, and I think that, for me, that is just so, so encouraging, so exciting, because I think that a lot of us, I know myself, we've come out of relationships. We've come out of circumstances in our lives where the, the, the people that were supposed to love us, the people that were supposed to protect us, that were supposed to have, you know, the safe kind of whatever relationship has been damaged. And what God is saying is that we can make every effort to add all these things to us so we can also have mutual affection. And what's so cool about that is that we look out in this room here, there are so many different diverse ideologies and, and thought processes and worldviews and ways of living and backgrounds and histories and all this, this diverse room of people, right? And in that, God is bringing together a group of people that have mutual affection, that have deep love and care and concern for each other, regardless of background, regardless of perspectives of worldview. We love God, we love people, and we live like we mean it. And that is just, that's just so encouraging. And, and so I, I'm, I'm grateful for it. Thank you and, you know, thank God that we have this place where we can easily and, and you know, you know, really powerfully add mutual affection, love for each other to our lives, and then uh, to mutual affection, love, right? And all of this is founded on love, right? First Corinthians 13 talks about if you, if, you know, we can do all of these crazy, incredible things, you know, move mountains, have the faith to move mountains, right? We can, we can know all mysteries and have all this understanding, and we can even, you know, talk to angels or whatever, you know, speak in the tongues of angels is what First Corinthians 13 says. We can do all of these crazy things, amazing things, but if we don't have love, it's okay, you'll be all right. 
I don't know why she's talking to us. If you don't have love, you're resounding gong. None of it means anything. And so as we look at making every effort, as we look at following the good shepherd, we have to realize that it's love that allows us to do that and that the end result should be love. If my motivation is just to be super awesome and I'm sending it to Josh and I'm you know, disciplining myself so I can be really, you know, have it, my life all together, the result is, is going to be exhaustion. It's going to be disappointment, right? And it's going to be just uh, almost not a waste of time, but it's going to be resounding gong. It's not going to be useful. It's not going to be purposeful. It's not going to be something that is uh, able to participate in the divine nature and, and the, the, the divine creation that God has for us. So love has to be the foundation in all of it. And, and the result should, has to be love. And so if you go to verse 8, uh, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, now, what I love about that is I remember uh, taking, going to college back in Oregon, and one of the professors said, the only con constant in the universe is change. That's not accurate. The only constant in this universe is God and his love, and that never changes. And so if we we're going to make every effort to participate in this divine nature through the divine power that God has for us, it should be an increasing measure because there's no end to the love of God, right? If the foundation of all of these things, you know, the godliness, the perseverance, the self-control, if all of these things are founded in love, then we have an incredible opportunity to possess these qualities in increasing measure and to grow in our knowledge of who God is and how much he loves us and what that means for the people in our lives, right? Because we're talking about being ineffective or being effective and productive, right? Going back to how God created us to subdue, to have dominion, to rule, to create, to, to partner with him as image bearers of God and to do something with our lives. And that's an incredible and exciting opportunity. And without the love of God, without the relationship that we have with God because of Jesus and without that divine power, all of that ability can result into some hard, hard things in our lives and can leave people hurt and broken. We, I think a lot of us, all of us, if we're human in here, have experienced that. And when, when, when the evil desires kind of take over, that results in sin, and it's so cool that Jesus has come to be able to forgive that and to heal that and to empower us to be able to make every effort to add these things to our faith so that way we can be effective and productive. That way the people in our lives, we, they have something that we can offer to them. And I kind of look at it like this as well. Um, it's kind of like if, you, if I were to plant a garden, you know, to feed my family. If I go out there and, and I plant a garden... Um, you know, and I put all the seeds in there, and I do all this stuff, and it's growing, and, I, and I'm not making an effort to pull out the weeds, to, re, you know, to do something to keep the bugs away. Inevitably, what is going to happen is that if I just plant the seeds and walk away, it's going to die. Or at the very worst, weeds are going to take over, and nobody can live, well, not many people can live off of weeds, and would you rather have, uh, you know, thistles and thorns or tomatoes and cucumbers and, you know, healthy things to be able to eat off of. And, and the thing about that whole idea that I had, that picture I had as well, is that the moment that I'm working on this garden, right, the moment that I'm, as I'm working on it, the moment that I start thinking, 
I know how to do this. I know how to water this. I know how to cultivate this garden. I know how to pull. I know all these different, I know what to do. The moment that I start doing that, like I saw it as I was walking, the leaves start to wither and the fruit starts to wither and everything starts to crumble because I don't know how to do this on my own. I don't know how to, to make every effort to add these things to my life. I can't do it on, on my own. I mean, you look in there back in that other verse where it says to add godliness. I, like, to make every effort to add godliness to your life, like godliness comes from, from God. Holiness comes from God. And without Jesus, without his divine power, I'm not holy. I have no opportunity to be godly without that divine power. And so if I'm trying to my own effort right, by my own strength and whatever to, to, to add godliness in my own strength without the divine power of God, without a relationship with Jesus, it's not going to happen. I'm, I'm, without him, I'm not godly. And, and it's just, you know, it's just incredible to think about that. And um, yeah, and so in verse 9, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Wow, nearsighted and blind. And so that, that idea of nearsighted, Right, like when the pandemic hit, when all that happened, I was working really hard to you know build myself up to be disciplined, but I didn't have the ability to foresee catastrophe, the ability to be able to be prepared and to have the the insight to know, okay, there's something like nobody knew, right? But inevitably in this life, there's going to be things, right? It's like C.S. Lewis talks about the valleys and the peaks. That's that's part of life. You know what I mean? There's valleys and there's peaks. There's highs and there's lows. And, and we know that that's going to happen. And, and a lot of times those are good because they test our faith and they help us to be able to understand where we're at. And so all that to say, I didn't have that. I, you know, I was nearsighted. I wasn't able to see that this thing was coming down the road, that something was going to happen, and to be able to be ready for it, to be prepared for it. And so that's one of the cool things that, um, about making every effort is that we are able to prepare ourselves Right for the good and for the bad, we're able to be prepared for whatever comes. And and the cool part too is that it's not just we prepare ourselves for our own lives; we can be prepared for the trauma, the the chaos that's about to unfold in the people around us. Right. And so, um, uh, anyway, so how do we do that? Right. So how do we do this? Right. Different things to us. Really, what it comes down to is what we do and what we don't do what we choose to say yes to and what we choose to say no to. And inevitably, when it comes down to what we do and what we don't do through the divine power of God, what we agree to, what we disagree to do, there's gonna be something that's gonna have to be given up and that's gonna take discipline. And I know that, I, that a lot of people get uncomfortable about that because what I'm not ta- when I talk about discipline, we're not talking about you know, strapping, you know, being strong and like making it happen on our own. Right, and we're not talking about uh, something that is is negative or or that's going to like be used in the wrong way, right? Because where I'm coming from with that is like I was disciplined growing up, and it was terrifying. That's not the type of discipline that we're talking about. What we're talking about is the discipline that that gives us that uh, that we partner with through the divine power of God to be able to say no and yes to certain things, right? So, take self control. I can't partner with self control. I can't have self control unless I'm saying no to the impulses and the different things in my life that might be destructive, right? And so they can't go, so it takes, requires discipline to be able to do that. And um, this book that I read recently, uh, it's called The Spirit of the Disciplines um, uh, by this guy, Dallas Willard. And there's a quote here I have um, that we'll look at. <clears throat> a quote here that I have we'll look at. 
There it is. Hey, cool. There's a quote we have there to look at, and uh, it says this, that we must learn to follow his, Jesus, preparations, the disciplines for life uh, in God's rule that enabled him to receive the Father's constant and effective support while doing his will. And so the preparations, the different things that Jesus did, right? And so how do we do this? How do we follow the good shepherd? We follow the good shepherd. We find out how did he live his life. What do we know from scripture, from the gospels, how he did things, right? We see a lot that he spent a lot of time in solitude where he went away and was able to disconnect and get away from all of the everything and to, and to connect with the Father. He did a lot of that. He did a lot of prayer, time in prayer. He knew the scripture. He studied the Bible, the word of God, right? Um, you know, he, he, was, uh, he, he did fasting. He fasted as well. We can see that he did these different things that he did that we have, um, you know, to be able to show us what to do, what not to do. And, and so Dallas Willard kind of lists out these, you know, the spirit of the disciplines into abstinence and engagement and basically, again, if we break that down, it's what we do and what we don't do, right? And so there's, there's a lot of resources out there for us to be able to, to figure that out. And, and it's funny about this is, um, you know, a lot of you guys know, some of you know, I, I've, I've struggled with depression for a very long time, right? And God has done some incredible work in my life. And it got to a point, though, where, where I was just so overwhelmed with, like, depression and, like, all these different things that I kind of, I was out walking and what, it, what I saw was as, as if I were in the water and just kind of floundering around in the water. And off in the distance, I could see this like golden glow of this city, of this town. And that was my destiny. That was like, that's where I needed to be. I wanted to go to this place, but I'm out here floundering in the water. And, you know, there'd be times where it was like the water was right here and I was like barely holding on and splash over. And then there was times where I would just absolutely sink down and, and start, you know, try to get up into the water. And there's times where, like, you know, I'd be up to my shoulders, like, okay, cool, I got this. And so what God started, what, what God showed me was that there are things in my life that make me buoyant, right, that help me to float. And there are things in my life that cause me to sink, right? And so uh, what I did is I listed it out, the things that make me buoyant, the things that make me sink. And what I started to realize that if I said no to the things that make me sink, and I said yes to the things that make me buoyant, that I was able to not just like survive in the water, but I was able to actually get to a point where I could be on top of the water. Just like Jesus called Peter, the author of this, this passage that we're looking at, called Peter out to walk on the water. And then, and then because of God, because of his divine power, I'm able to do that and then to run, right? And it's, and it's an incredibly an exciting thing that we get to do. And so I've, I recently, I put together a list um, up here of the different things that cause me to be buoyant and to, to sink in life. And so I encourage you to do the same thing, right? This is a practical way that we can begin to start making every effort. What are the things that we need to do? What are the things we need to stop doing, what are the habits? What are the things that we need to do? What are the things that we need to stop doing? And, and, and so I would really encourage you to write this out and to just like squeeze and, you know, squeeze really hard and get everything listed out. That way you can have an idea of what it looks like. And, and really, you know, I think what you'll come to is you, have, you already have some ideas. You already have some ideas right now of things that you need to start doing and things you need to stop doing. Just inevitably, after we're talking about this, the way that the Holy Spirit works, the way that Scripture works, the way that we're, everything we're talking about, there's already ideas in there for you, right? And so what I want to ask is not just these type of, of, of you know, um, you know kind of daily things and stuff like that, but what are the things that you need to let go of, like really let go of? Like who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to start that process of forgiveness with? Because unforgiveness 
un, 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 uh, unanswered, untaken care of pain will cause you to sink. Who do you need to forgive? What is that habit that you need to let go of? What is the mindset? What is the, what is the thing that you're thinking that shapes how you see people? What is, the, what is that that you need to release to the Lord, release to God and say, you know what, this, this, this whole negativity, this bitterness, this anger, this frustration that I have, it, it makes me sink and I need to find out how to start getting rid of this and to start not partnering with it and then find out the things that do bring you life. What does bring you life? I'll give you three that I think that every person really needs to take into consideration. And from there, you, are, you walk with the Lord and spend time with God to, to begin to understand the things that make you sink, the things that help you to be buoyant, to be able to walk on the water. And just start with these three. Get into the Word of God. Read the Bible. You know, and, and, and just be humble with it. Just get into it. Partner up with the Bible plan that we're doing. And, and comment on that, read that, study, and find somebody to read the Bible with you on. Read the Word of God. Spend time alone with the Lord. And what I mean by that is not necessarily driving to work with worship music on. I mean, find some time where you can be one-on-one in, in what's called solitude, where you're away from all of this noise and all of the people and all the everything. Find a place where you can get alone with the Lord and begin to find out how much God loves you. Right? And I think that the idea of solitude is scary for a lot of us because I know for me it was when I first started spending time with God, walking around the lake, you know, at the park praying. I was afraid. I was afraid that God was going to be mad at me and that he was going like, to start like, telling me everything I was doing wrong. And so, but as I got into it, I'm able to be in this place now, like just this week when I was walking, like I shared earlier, where I'm finding that God is like, so like, intensely curious and so interested in me. You know what I mean? Just because he loves me. And, and like, I can talk about guitars. A lot of people, and we, we, we get going. We get in that synergy, start jiving and everything. But this was different, you know? And so that's because of that, that habit of getting alone with the Lord one-on-one. And then the third thing is to stay connected with God's people, to, to endure, to stay, to persevere, to love God, love people, and live like we mean it. That those are those three things that we got to do, be in the word. Being alone with God, spending time in prayer and worship, and, and to stay connected with God's people, whatever opportunity that is for you, to not get isolated, not get out on your own, but to stay connected. I think that if we can do those three things and kind of start processing through what makes us buoyant, what makes us sink, I think as we do that and we get into, again, you know, Second Peter uh, 1, 3 through 9 here, we begin to make, have the ability to make every effort Right to add these things to our lives and to be effective, to be productive, to be able to, in a right and healthy and, and empowering way, to partner with the divine nature of who God is and how he's created us. So, Father, I thank you so much for uh, who you are and for what you've done for us to allow us to be able to receive your Holy Spirit and allow us to be able to walk it out, God, to make every effort, not in our own strength, God, but through your power. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would begin to move in our hearts and to draw us closer to you through your word and through uh, time with you and through your people, Father. And that as we do that, the chaos and the turmoil and the craziness that goes on in our lives, Father, that your Holy Spirit would begin to bring it to order and to bring life out of these different things that are going on inside of us and around us, God. And so we thank you for it, Lord. We're grateful for you, and we look forward to how you're going to move in our lives as we begin to follow the Good Shepherd. And Jesus' name, amen. 
the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.